he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in the Miracle Mile. Maslin and Wilshire. I got a goat. Not in studio, but on the line. GB Greg Biggins. What up? What's up, Keith? How are you? You seem like a little more fired up this week than you were last week. Yeah, um, more, more juice to you. Yeah, I do have a lot more juice to me. It, it probably has something to do with this uh, monster energy juice that's sitting in front of me. He's got me shaking a little bit, but I feel good. It's in my it's that pipeline punch. Shout out to my guy Dan Lamb over there in Corona. But uh, no, this is the transparent truth, GB. We are in the building, or at least I am, and you're on the line. Uh, we got a lot going on. We're going to talk some recruiting. We're going to recap uh, the PTP that you went to, Primetime Polynesian, and the passing down. We got a new sleeper of the week. Uh, we're going to recap the drafts uh, specifically for the Pac-12. And uh, we're going to shout out our Winter Circle guys, and we're going to jet to our outro. But before we do all that, GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Let's jump into recruiting. What you got for us? How about this to start off with? Hey, how often did we talk about a freshman making a commitment? Yeah, no. It doesn't happen very often. Absolutely not. But, of course, we're talking about a guy goes by the name, the very unique name of Seven McGee. Not one, not two, but he's the seventh child, the only boy in the family, hence the name Seven. People thought it was a you know, football term because he scores a lot of touchdowns, which are actually only worth six points, not seven. Yeah. But Seven McGee is committed to the University of Oregon, Keith. How about that? Well, I'll tell you what, GB, Seven gets you six now. All right, you talk about a great <laughs> athlete. Uh, as a 2021 kid, a great athlete, can play running back, can play receiver, makes an early commitment. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the early commitment, but if that's that kid's dream and, and that's what he wants to do, let's go ahead. I'll be interested to see who he de- who he decommits to in the future and, and open when, they, when he plans on opening up his recruitment, because I'm 99.9% sure, GB, that's where this is headed. That is just a horribly negative way to look at this. I think this is going to be a life decision for him, Keith. Freshman commitments always, <laughs> always stick. Right. Devin McGee. No, honestly, it, it, you know, it's funny. He told me ahead of time that Oregon was kind of his dream school. And if they were to offer, he might just go ahead and jump on it. You know, USC had also offered him. And then even after he committed, he, he said, you know, I'm getting a lot of, a lot of people kind of talking, talking mess about this, saying it's too early and whatnot. He's, I don't care what people think. You know, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. So I didn't see any need to go ahead and wait around. And Seven McGee getting it done three years in advance. A couple new offers out this week. Not too many. Actually, there were there were a handful. But just going to focus just on a handful of them. Uh, how about Joey Yellen, Mississippi Hill quarterback, kind of starting to get some uh, get some buzz going with him. How about Arizona State and then Georgia were the latest offers for Joey. A couple pretty big schools out of the Pac-12 and the SEC, obviously. Uh, Ryan Halinski just got LSU on a Monday. He's a long time, well, not a long time, but a, uh, a South Carolina commit for about a month so far. I don't think his recruitment is done at all. I think you're going to see a few more schools try to jump in there late. Ryan seems like he's kind of a loyal kid. I don't know if I could see him really flipping on that South Carolina commitment, but LSU and don't want to jinx it, but I heard there's going to be a pretty – uh, a pretty big-time school out of the Big Ten that could be offering him later today, which is Tuesday. This is going to air on Wednesday. Nice. But Michael Martinez, out of modern day, picked up an offer from Colorado. Uh, Ronald Gilliam, Ron Ron from Sarah High School 2020, had an offer from the University of Florida. As you can see, Florida has been all over the West Coast. <laughs> Isaiah Rutherford. Excuse yourself there, Keith. Yeah, excuse me. Sorry. To clear my throat now. <clears throat> Isaiah Rutherford, Zay Rutherford, as we call him, uh, landed an offer from Illinois. Chris Adamora doesn't get much bigger than this one. So Chris took an unofficial visit to Colorado, but he came home and promptly landed an offer from the University of Alabama. Big time. Big time. Big time, Keith. Yeah, Chris Adamora, man, a, a elite safety prospect, size, speed, and ball skills. Big time hitter. I'll give a little recruiting update on Chris. I talked to him recently. No, he took a visit to Texas and was wowed, wowed yeah. by the Longhorns. 
also loved Boise State. He visited a couple Pac-12 schools, Utah and uh, UCLA as well. But the schools that he said have kind of made the biggest impression so far are the Boise State trip and the Texas trip. And um, you know, people would say, Boise State, you know, can they really compete you know, with those schools? Well, a uh, little bit of an in. I don't know if it's going to have a huge impact, but Derek Bedell from Mayfair, the head coach, his brother, it actually is the O-line coach at Boise State. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a connection there. Again, I don't you know, know if that's going to play a huge role, though I definitely don't think it's going to hurt. So that's kind of it. Oh, one more uh, uh, new offer, because it was kind of buzzworthy, was uh, Darian Chase from Camus, Washington. That guy had a ton of, uh, a ton of crystal balls pushing him to Oregon, but he landed an offer from Washington on Monday. And uh, guess where all those crystal balls are now leading towards Coach Keith? U-Dub. U-Dub. No question. Yes, sir. No question about that. So those are some of the new offers. Some of the, some of the visits, you know, obviously the place to be this past weekend was University of Colorado and University of California in Berkeley. Uh, Colorado hosted officially um, Braden Huff and Dixon, Suave Pote, KJ Trujillo, and Stefan Wright. All four of those guys took their official trips. And I already mentioned Chris Adamora uh, was there on an unofficial trip. So uh, some pretty big impact players. Kind of a funny story. You know, Huff and Dixon, I-, I was at the passing down tournament on Sunday, and all of a sudden I see this guy spring from the parking lot, and it was Huff. Modern day was having a game. I believe their name in that tournament was, uh, what was it, TMS, DMS. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It, it wasn't modern day, but it was, they had their modern day team, and so uh, they had some help. You know, there was no uh, no Brew McCoy who visited Texas over the weekend. They had uh, some guys that were banged up and injured. Sean Dollars with Dollars was now, but they needed some playmakers. So all of a sudden, right before their last game, you see Huffman Dixon spreading, literally spreading for the parking lot, puts his stuff on, goes out there, and Marty still lost that game. Ooh. Tough one for the Monarchs. Yeah, they went one and out. Single elimination, they went one and done. But anyways, good hustle by Huffman Dixon. Suave Pote loved Colorado. K.J. Trejillo, who I believe is probably an Oregon lean, but I think Colorado definitely gave him a lot to think about. And then uh, Stephon Wright, who visited Washington. Remember, we had Scott Eklund on last week, who he said he felt really good about the Huskies' chances for Mr. Stephon Wright out of Cathedral. But Colorado also gave him a, a nice little something to think about. Chris Steele took an unofficial visit to Oregon. We mentioned last week, man, Chris is all over the place. He's taken a lot of visits. And uh, Oregon, I definitely think Oregon is in his top two or three at the worst. They are pushing. No one's pushing harder than Dante Williams. And Keith Hayward and Cristobal, Mario Cristobal. Jeremiah Cradell, out of modern day, uh, visited ASU recently. Um, I think right now Oregon and Washington are probably the top two schools for him. I mentioned Cal. They had a big spring game. Here's some of the kids that were there, Keith. Listen to some of these names. How about a guy who goes by the name of Jaden Daniels, oh, yeah. quarterback from Cajon? How about Isaiah Rutherford? Big-time, big-time prospect for the Bears. His dad played at Cal. How about Henry Toto from De La Salle? Uh, the Spartans, they got some players. They can play a little bit. No question. How about Taj Davis out of Upland, one of the speed wide receivers? Talk about speed. How about Jamar Simpson out of Rancho Verde? He won the fastest man competition at the Nike camp opening SoCal Regional. That was on the Chargers' silly little facility. <laughs> How about a guy who goes by the name of John Humphreys, a 2020 receiver from Corona Del Mar, the younger brother of big Ben Humphreys at Duke, one of my favorite linebackers a couple years ago was Ben Humphreys. Uh, John Humphreys goes to Corona Del Mar. Ben Humphreys was a modern-day monarch. Some pretty elite 2020 kids, Jay Butterfield, the quarterback, Xavier Carlton, uh, Jamar Sakona, both of those two guys, a couple of really good-looking defensive linemen, Tiali Laku, uh, 2019 D Lyman also was there. So nice to move by Cal getting some of these dudes. Leron Manley, he's already committed to Cal. He was out there as well. So the Bears did a nice job, as did um, Colorado Buffaloes, getting some pretty key players out there for uh, unofficial trips and even official trips if you're Colorado. And that's about all I have for recruiting notes for the week. Hey, GB, quick question. Yeah. We had a, a big-time kid, actually two big-time kids, go visit the University of Texas this past weekend. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about Brew McCoy and DeGabriel Floyd, the University of Texas Longhorns commit, going out to Austin, visiting the Texas Longhorns? 
Yeah, you know, I haven't talked to Brew yet. I did talk to Big Horace last night, though. And, uh, man, he said he was blown away. Big Horace was blown away. He goes, I might have liked it more than Brew. Yeah. He just said it's a phenomenal out there. Just, uh, you know, obviously football is a religion in Texas. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, I mean, there really is, there really is a religion. There's, you know, Catholicism and Christianity in, in football. Yeah. So those are the three big ones. I mean, it's it's huge. And so it just the, they're doing a really good job. Right now, Tom Herman is doing a really good job with the program, creating a lot of buzz. They're hitting the West Coast extremely hard. And obviously, they already have, you know, Gabe Floyd committed. Um, Gabe was out there. Again, that was, that was an unofficial. And, you know, he's, he's recruiting hard as well. Sometimes when we say, you know, players can be your, your best recruiters. That's why it's always good to get some guys locked in early. So I think, you know, without talking to Brew, I'm sure Tech has gave him a lot to think about. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a great school, football-wise, academically. A big horse that they like the city of Austin. You know, it's a it's a big city that oh, yeah. they're comfortable in, and so not really a whole lot of negatives. Uh, so hopefully, to open to catch up with Brew later on and find out exactly what he thought of it and uh, where they want him, receiver or outside backer. You know, position specific. But uh, yeah, man, Texas is really doing well on the West Coast. You know, I mentioned Adam Moore already. They're still trying hard with with Chris Steele. They're you know trying to get a visit out of Mikael Wright. Uh, so they're really hitting the West Coast really, really hard. Recently offered DJ Louis under the lay, uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Young. So yeah, Texas is, is trying to make some of California uh, a second home away from home. Very interesting. Very interesting considering the push University of Oklahoma has right now in recruiting yep. and how hot they are. Texas really hitting the West Coast hard, trying to nab some elite prospects for the 2019 class and looking forward and down the road to the 2020 class, especially at the quarterback position. It's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out for the Longhorns. Again, considering the the plethora of talent uh, the Oklahoma Sooners are bringing in, it'd be interesting to see how these West Coast prospects uh, consider University of Texas home kind of as the months uh, get moving forward, GB. So, no, hey, Keith, you made a great. I want to piggyback on your point. I don't know if you even even uh, meant to make this point, but you know, years ago, um, you know, USC would always do this for uh, if these really elite out of state kids would come down for an unofficial visit to visit UCLA, and USC heard about it, they would say, "Hey, if you're coming down here to visit UCLA, shoot, we're USC. Come visit us as well." And I, I guarantee this is what Texas is probably seeing all these West Coast kids going to Oklahoma. They're probably thinking, dude, we're Texas. Like, we're Austin. You know, we have probably more to sell. This is them talking. Yeah. We probably have more to sell than Oklahoma. If these kids will leave Southern California and go live in Norman for a few years, shoot, why would you not want to come and live in Austin? Absolutely. And, and play for us. So obviously, right now, Oklahoma is a, is, a, is a much better spot from a football standpoint, but I'm sure Texas probably thinking, you know, from just a, a living standard, you know, SoCal kids probably can relate more to, to Austin than they can to Norman, Oklahoma. So I guarantee you, uh, probably the success that OU has had has probably spurned Texas to kind of pick it up a little bit, saying, dude, let's get these guys. They'll come there. You know, don't go there. Let's, let's get them to come here. No doubt. Texas piggybacking the energy of that re- kind of recruiting juggernaut right now that Oklahoma is. So, uh, GB, we appreciate you always giving us the insight in the information. Not only guys who are taking trips, but where they're leaning, who their top choices are, kind of at the end of the day. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how this all shakes out on the recruiting front. Moving along. GB, you had a chance to attend a couple of events this weekend. PTP, Primetime Polynesian, and also the Passing Down. Why don't you give the fans and the listeners a little bit of background of PTP and tell us about your experience. Yeah, so it was. It's always good to get out and, and watch some linemen, and, and I'm a fan of linemen, and you know I've known you know Penn Talamaivo and and KT Turnbull. Uh, that's actually you know KT Turnbull uh, to that poo poo. People might know him as Solo's dad, but long, long, long time coach with PTP, and they do a nice job out there. Spent the day uh, half half of the day out there watching some kids run around, some some good looking linemen. In fact, don't want to don't want to. To jinx it or jump ahead, but our sleep of the week was out there, Keith. Oh, I had yeah. a chance to see a, a pretty intriguing looking defensive end nice. who goes to a school from Yorba Linda, but we'll, we again don't want to jump the gun a little bit, but no, it was cool. Those guys do a really good job coaching coaching guys up. And, you know, it, the guy who, not a lineman who kind of jumped out was, you know, Ethan Ray, who's been out all offseason, had the torn ACL right last, right before his season is about to start. Yeah. A huge year expected out of him. So he's cleared 100%, and he looked great. It was so good to see him out there running around and, and uh, 
you know, catching the ball, running routes. I asked him, you know, give me percentage-wise, where what are you? He goes, yeah, I'm 100. I'm 100%. He's going to go to the uh, the Vegas Elite 11 Good. in May, which is kind of like a not just an Elite 11 quarterback camp, but kind of like a, maybe a, like a last call for some elite players to go out there and try to make the opening finals. Ethan wasn't able to make the SoCal Nike camp, but uh, he will definitely be at the, the Vegas one. But uh, Ethan looked good. You know who I liked was your guy, um, Jake Casabella. Wasn't he our Sleeper of the Week? Yes, last Sleeper week, our Sleeper of the Week. He Absolutely. was there. I liked him. Like I, I think I, I like him. If he was maybe just a little bit bigger. He, he kind of sure. Like you might, I think you might have mentioned. You know, tweener. You don't want to use the, the the tweener term. Is he an outside guy, an inside guy? He's a football player, though. I, I like some of the drills that they were doing. You can kind of see his athleticism. He's strong, man. He's naturally just a strong, powerful kid. Yeah. So it was cool. You know, I, I didn't really know him until afterward. I kind of go, "This guy's over here is pretty good." And then we came and talked, introduced myself, introduced himself. I go, man, your name's familiar. He goes, yeah, I'll sleep of the week. I was like, oh, my gosh. First time one of our sleepers has actually been good. I, I just, no, I'm just joking. Our sleepers are always good. Oh, yeah. But uh, Jake was cool. Those, like I said, I like those guys. Much respect. Um, and then the, uh, the passing down, um, OC Premium. OC Premium. Which is kind of, which is kind of a, a team that's, I don't want to say they're under the radar, but you think of, you know, you think of like the premium, you know, gas, premium dime. You think of ground zero. You think of maybe Pro Way uh, going to Northern California. You have, you know, our guy Nate Kenyon. KT uh, Prep. Big, yeah. big parents with TMP. Right. But OC Premium has quietly had a huge offseason. They won the IMG tournament, I want to say two weeks ago, and they won this one right. with, uh, with just a, a bunch of kids from Orange County. And a pretty decent quarterback by the name of Ryan Helensky. Oh, so yeah. you, you kind of add him, and he's not—he's not a bad little player. I tell you what, man, confidence is so huge at that quarterback position. And watching Ryan, just the way he carries himself now—it's—it's it's night and day. It's light years where he was at last year. Yep, and he was pretty confident last year. But man, just watching him and war, war, just flicking the ball thirty yards just on the money. Not even thinking twice about it. I mean, he is so confident. He could probably almost blindfold the kid. He's still going to be throwing darts. And two elite, elite receivers out there. Logan Loyal was the best guy there. Just dominated. And everyone. Now, you know, my, my guy, Armand Hawkins, was the first one who was saying, we're going to double-team Logan. We're going to double-team Logan. Now everyone's trying to double-team Logan. He still doesn't matter. He still just finds a way to get open. I think you you coined him with the double move king. The double move king, Logan Lawyer, Raymond. But he's he's ridiculous. Yeah, he's he is ridiculous. He's so stinking good. And then um, the other guy that I, I loved was uh, was Shimmy Tyler Shimamura from J. Sarah. Love that kid. He's a former sleeper of the week. So they had those two guys out there running around, yep. and Shimmy was just getting open, catching balls, one handed, doing backflips, front flips. Defensively, they had Clark Phillips made a little appearance yep. for OC Premium, which, Clark, I know you, you listen. I, I'm a much bigger fan of you playing for OC Premium in that fast Houston team. Yeah, I hear that. Come on, man. <laughs> SoCal kids should play with SoCal teams. So Clark stepped it up. I, I liked Reggie Strong a yes. lot, another Orange, Orange Luton player yes. who played some running back last year, but he was out there playing safety. Man, the guy looks the part. He's built, uh, chiseled, moves around really well. So nice job by OC Premium. They knocked off Kenyon Training, who was missing missing some dudes, but probably my favorite defensive player that plays for uh, plays for Nate was uh, Tristan Sinclair. Yeah, and he's a special athlete playing linebacker, but he's got a he's got a safety frame, safety mobility. Instinctively, he's off the charts. Gets his hands on a lot of footballs, a couple interceptions. Just a really smart, smart cerebral kid. And then. Uh, and then Terrence, TMP, they, they made the semifinals as well. They actually lost to OC Premium in a tough semifinal game, but came back to Mara, uh, looked really good. Probably the best I've seen him look all offseason. Giles Jackson, who we've talked about a lot. Another great tournament for him. So, you know, overall, it was I think probably the biggest surprise of the day was the modern-day team was uh, was one and done. The way, the way they do it, they play a couple of games, preliminary games. They don't keep score. They call them media games. So just kind of for the players to get a warm-up and for the media to go out and watch the players. So they play two of those. Each each team plays two of those. And then they already have the, the tournament seated ahead of time based on where you finished in the regional. Uh, this was the, the passing down best of the West. So to make this, you have to come in the final four of one of the SoCal regionals or the Central Valley, the NorCal 
they did these in, in Oregon and Washington as well. So <clears throat> there were some teams from outside the state. So it was already preceded. And then the modern day team, I mean, people thought, oh, you know, they're modern day. They're going to come and just run through everybody. If they lost their first game, obviously they're missing a lot of guys. No, no Brew McCoy. Already talked about, you know, no, no Mace Funa, no Sean Dollars, no Huff Dixon. Um, Cody Epps was hurt, and he would have been key. Um, he was out. So they were struggling, struggling to find some offense. They had all their defensive backs were there, Elias Riggs, Darion Green, Warren, Jeremiah Cradell. They were all out there, but offensively, just a little bit of a struggle to get out, kind of on the same page to get in sync. So I'm not worried about modern day. I know they're going to be good, but uh, – you know, guys like Sean Dollars and Brew McCoy and, you know, Braden Huff and they kind of make a little bit of a difference. So, um, but yeah, they were, they were one and out, one and done. Um, Ground Zero was out there. It was fun to watch them. I think they lost to OC Premium in the quarters, but they, you know, Jaden Daniels always looks good. I like what I'm seeing from him. Uh, you know, a couple other players um, that I like that don't get a lot of run, you know, um, Mark Perry. One of the few guys that actually stood over at Ranch Cucamonga. Pretty good-looking defensive back. You know, he had a good tournament. And uh, I also like what I saw. L.B. Bunkley-Shelton is starting to get some size. Now, I looked at him, and he was next to Aaron East, who also was playing for Ground Zero, who had a good tournament. And I'm like, dude, I thought L.B. used to be kind of the same size as Aaron maybe a year ago. And now, all of a sudden, L.B.'s kind of starting to get big. And I think he's kind of primed for a, a pretty big junior season for the Sarah Cavaliers this coming season. So, I think that's going to be it for me, Keith. That's my last 7-on-7 seven seven I'm going to go to, man. I'm kind of 7-on-7 seven seven out right now. I'm, I'm ready for some, some either some real padded football or, or I'm kind of you know I'm kind of looking forward to maybe even some of these high school teams to go just kind of see the difference when it's the high school teams playing. and It's just a different vibe to it. But that was probably it for me. I'm shutting myself down. No more club 7-on-7. Seven seven. Yeah. Ring ball is starting up. So I think it's time for a lot of these guys to go get with your high school teams and get healthy and make sure you're ready to go. Yeah, important time of the year. There's right now, no college is going to buy your campuses. There's no question about it. GB. I think I shut my seven on seven self down back in February when a fight broke out. I haven't, <laughs> haven't been to a seven on seven since, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting to note that the modern day team and how we know that they've got a lot of new transfers in. We get them; they got a lot of new players in. They're kind of struggling to find some rhythm on offense. We know they got some key guys out. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see just kind of moving forward. They start spring ball today. Can they get on the same page offensively with quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line? Last year's team had such great chemistry and such great rhythm, and I don't think that's been spoken for enough. JT Daniels pulling the trigger, but there's 10 other pieces to that puzzle that have to be tight and have to be right. And uh, that can't be overstated enough. Will be interesting to see kind of moving forward how Bryce Young and that offense can get on track, get on the same page, and begin to execute kind of moving into the, the late spring and into the summertime and getting ready for their first football game this fall, GB. No, I totally agree. And I think what you just said was was so on point and well and well said. Chemistry is huge. And also how about how about just being hungry? Because you know, last year Modern Day got embarrassed yeah. by St. John Bosco. Right. And they were a hungry team. You know, they had what I would call that eye of the tiger, right? Yeah. Eye of the tiger. Yeah. If you haven't seen Rocky Three, go watch it. No question. This year, is modern day going to be as hungry? You know, maybe they will. You know, obviously, Rollinson is as good a motivator as you'll ever see. But is that just that intrinsic motivation, which is that built-in motivation? Is that going to be there for those guys who, you know, shoot, they – we're called maybe the best team ever from SoCal last year, 15 or 16 or wherever they finished. You know, are they going to have that same drive, that same motivation? Um, you know, that's going to be interesting. So, like you mentioned, man, get on the same page with, with some new players, good players, but still, you know, it's get on the same sink and just see how motivated and hungry these guys are going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, by it myself. I'm very curious to see how it's going to all play out. Well, I mean, just natural human psychology says they won't, Craig. I yep. Mean, you yep. know, let's just be honest. Human psychology says that, you know, we were part of maybe the best high school team ever in California state history. Um, you know, everybody's got Division One offers. Everybody's being recruited. We're kind of the fat cat right now. Everybody's feeding us Kool-Aid. We're drinking Kool-Aid a little bit. Uh, guys are running around on different all-star seven-on-seven teams, wearing sunglasses and looking silly. Let me tell you something. 
St. John Bosco is sitting around the chicken coop eating hot dogs and cup of noodles while modern day is eating steaks and lobsters. And I mean, I'm here to tell you, Rocky Three is a great analogy or a great comparison of what could be possibly in the future for these two teams. Clubber Lang didn't have the belt, didn't have the women. All he had was that bar in that weight room and that punching bag, and he just sitting there working, eating lead and crapping iron, right? And, and Rocky, he's sitting there doing jump ropes, some girls kissing on him. He's, he's signing autographs. He's eating cupcakes. He's just getting nice, soft, and fat until Clubber Lang meets him in the ring with his eye of the tiger and smacks him around and knocks him out. So, you know, not to say that that's going to happen in modern day, but I can see that happening uh, with human psychology playing a role. They better get hungry. They better get hungry fast because I guarantee you St. John Bosco will be. I mean, the players, modern day had a really young, kind of really young team, but they also need to remember, shoot, a lot of the guys that did some of the heavy lifting last year, Guys like JT Daniels, yeah. guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Guys like Nico Remigio, Selman Tule Pupu, yeah. Jack Genova, right? G- yeah, glue absolutely. guys like Jack. CJ uh, Parks. CJ Parks, just yeah. glue guy. Maybe not your superstars, but yeah. a guy like a guy like Jack Genova, uh, you know, was the focal point of, the, of that defense in terms of what he did, getting guys lined up properly, uh, being smart, playing hard. That's contagious. No doubt. Ending with Solo, how hard Solo played. Uh, same thing with, with the. With Logaleo, Logaleo, sure, right, undersized, but no one played harder. He's gone. Those guys are all gone. Mace Spoon is out for, for the season. Like, Mace is out for the season. So you know, you know, Brew will step up because that's just how he is. But man, they need they need some of the young guys to really come up big. You know, Darion Green, Warren, Elias Ricks, Bryce Young, um, some of the running backs. You know, Shakopee Harper, Sean Dollars. They, God, they are so talented. Miles um, Morale. These guys are all good. But they're going to be put in a leadership position that they never have been before. Right. So hopefully they embrace that. Otherwise, it's going to be – I mean, they'll be able to out-talent every team they play except for two. Sure. Right? IMG and St. John Bosco. And shoot, man, I'll tell you what. What I've seen of Orange Lutheran, if they can get any type of improvement on their defensive front and their offensive line protections, Orange Lutheran's not going to be an easy out. No, they're not. So – Modern day again. I'm fascinated to watch them. They have the talent, but let's let's just yeah, let, let's see it. Let's. I'm, I'm again. It's going to be fun. A lot of fun storylines to watch next fall. No question about it. Can't wait for our preview show, kind of late in the summertime. But let's move along. GB. It's time for our sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, Greg, our sleeper of the week. You got it this week. You kind of prefaced it a little earlier. Give us what you got. Yeah, so the guy that kind of, you know, props to, to our friend Randy Taylor, who was was there this weekend as well at PTP. And he got, you know, kind of said, hey, I like this guy right here. And he goes to Yorba Linda. And my first thought, Yorba Linda, was I'm friends with their head coach, Jeff Bailey, who was one of my longtime travel mates on the Nike camp tour. Okay. Great O-line, D-line coach. So he says, this guy plays for Jeff Bailey at Yorba Linda. I know the guy's a dude. So the guy goes by the name of Michael Callahan. I don't know if it's Mike or Michael. I'm going to call him Mike because it's shorter. The guy can go. Probably 6'4", really strong. You can tell the kid loves the weight room. 6'4", 250, and he's not all muscle-bound and stiff. I mean, the guy's fluid. He's an athlete. He could probably play some outside backer in one of those 3-4 schemes that we're seeing everybody kind of running. Really, really good looking fit in a 4-3 traditional defensive end role. But he's got size. He's got strength. He's got toughness. He's extremely smart. Had a motor. Worked hard. I mean, he did everything right. And I think he's going to – I don't know if he has any any uh, BCS offers just yet. But this guy is definitely a BCS 
level pa- uh, prospect. He's a Pac-12 level guy, and um, I liked what I saw from Mr. Callahan. Your Belinda High School defensive end, six four, two fifty ish, great frame, a lot of tools. This is the time of year when college coaches can come by spring practices, come by high schools, and watch these kids work out. I'm saying, man, if you're a college coach, you want to go to your Belinda High School and watch Mr. Callahan go. He can play. He's definitely an offer guy. Michael Callahan, your Belinda High School, 6'4", 250, with an edge, on the edge, in a physical nature. I like it. I like it a lot. So congratulations, Michael Callahan, our Sleeper of the Week, presented by Sit and Sleep. GB, it's time to recap the draft, kind of in a Pac-12 Recap the draft a little bit. I'm going to kind of get us started in the first round. You had Sam Darnold going to the New York Jets with pick number three. Josh Rosen going pick 10 to the Arizona Cardinals. Pick 12, Vita Vea out of Washington going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then pick 15, a little bit of a shock surprise here. Colton Miller, the offensive lineman out of UCLA, going to the Oakland Raiders. Anything stand out for you, GB, out of those first four picks for the Pac-12? Yeah, I, mean, I was a little surprised that Colt Miller went, went that high. I, I get it. He, he tested off the charts at the, at the NFL Combine, had the broad jump record. And Bucky told us a week, week ago he was going to be a first-round guy. I think he thought he was going to go a little bit later on. You know, I, I guess the Raiders really wanted to tackle. I guess the, the deal was they had, uh, they had Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame rated really high, and they were going to take him, and then someone took him at nine. Yeah. Right? So the Raiders were at 10, so they traded down and got their number two tackle. So I get it. You know, you want to make sure you, you, you get the guy at a position that you need. It just seemed like they could have traded down again and maybe picked up some more additional picks. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I'm the, the whole quarterback thing, I keep using the word fascinated, but when I see – I thought Sam Darnold was a great fit in Cleveland. I really do. Um, Baker Mayfield – I, I I just don't know. I'm I just don't know how that's going to work. I know some people that I respect that say, "Dude, this guy is going to be incredible." I know B. Huff is the biggest Cleveland Browns fan out there, and he was kind of saying, "You know, Baker has is he's the nutty guy that we need to be able to pull this off." You got to be a little different. You got to be extra extra cocky and confident to, to win in Cleveland because they're so used to losing. He was okay with Baker. I personally like Sam at that spot, but shoot, we'll see, right? We'll see. What do you think? No, I, I like Baker at that spot for a couple of reasons. Number one, in the NFL, NFL is full of alpha males. You need, at the quarterback position, the alpha of alpha male, especially going to a losing organization. You need somebody who's going to change the culture. And when you talk about changing the culture, uh, GB, you need somebody that can pick everybody up, put them on their back, and lead not only by example, but vocally, through body language. And those are the things I think Baker excels at the most. In addition to those things, uh, he's a terrific football player, great quarterback, tremendous accuracy to all levels of the field. I think he's a good fit. The only questions I have about Baker is his size in the pocket, is that going to be a concern? They got to make sure they surround him in weapons that can kind of create separation. But I like the pick. I also like Sam Darnold. Though. The only knock I had with Sam was he's really young. Sam is really, really young. And to put the pressure of being the number one overall pick on a 20-year-old, to me, there's a small bit of concern with that, even though I love Sam Darnold. Um, I think he's a great spot now with the Jets, though, because I think some of that attention is off of him in terms of being the number one overall. So he goes three overall to the Jets. Uh, huge market out there. They in desperate need of a quarterback. Sam is a terrific point guard at the quarterback position. He can distribute the ball. He can escape pressure. He can do all the things you need to do to be successful at the position. A little bit disappointing. Josh Rosen going 10. I wasn't. I thought it was a good fit for him with the Arizona Cardinals. Disappointed in the way he responded, the way how he reacted, Greg. I thought it showed his entitlement. Um, I thought it showed some spoiledness to him. Um, I, I didn't like the way he responded to being picked 10th. If you look on the flip side of that, the way Lamar Jackson responded with being picked 32 with Baltimore, he just said, it's on. It's on. Rosie kind of got up there and kind of whined and cried about it and how he was better than everybody else. Hey, listen, Josh, you had a chance to bring UCLA back against Memphis last season. 
with three minutes to go, you threw a pick. All right? You had a couple other chances to show that you were super elite and you didn't get the job done a few times. You can't cry about it when you don't get the job done on a consistent basis, in my opinion. I thought it was a little soft to him. I thought it was a little spoiled, a little um, just just very, very entitled kind of attitude by Josh Rosen. Didn't sit well with me at all. So he goes pick 10 uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, Greg. See, I mean, and we talked about this before. I mean, you're not a, you're not a Josh guy at all, um, and, and that, that, that's, that's fine. For me, I thought the opposite. And, and most football guys I've talked to, they loved it. They want a guy who, who says, you know what, I'm the best guy. You talk about quarterbacks need to have all that, you know, all that little extra stuff that Baker Mayfield's got. You're trying to tell me if Baker Mayfield went, went the fourth quarterback drafted and you shut the microphone in his face, you know, like he would say anything similar, if not way worse. I mean, let, let's, let's just keep it real and be honest. You know, if we're talking about Josh having entitlement and, and some issues, I mean, let, let's go now. I mean, Baker Mayfield would have, would have said a whole lot worse than some and has act, actually acted. You know, you never saw Josh having to, you know, get taken down from the police, have we? So I, I think all the Josh nonsense for me is exactly that. I've known the guy since eighth grade, and I've never heard a teammate talk anything other than just high praise for him. I think we want to know, does Josh love football? Does he really care? Josh gets drafted late, and he says, you know what, I'm pissed. I should, I should have been the first quarterback taken. Let's go win some Super Bowls. Now people don't like the way that Josh reacted because, oh, he got too upset. He's too emotional. I mean, what, what is it? Does the guy not care enough, or does he care too much? I, I just That's my personal take on, on Josh. I, I just feel like he's easily the most misunderstood, probably, player of the decade. He's absolutely polarizing, as much like how Kobe was. I was a Kobe guy. A lot of guys hated Kobe, even Laker fans. It just you couldn't you either love them or you hate him. I think Josh is kind of the same way. He's got a ton of people saying, "Man, this is my guy," and a ton of people hoping he fails, much like you know Lonzo Ball. I personally think, from a a team fit, I think it fits. I think the NFC West is a scary fit for Josh because he's not a very mobile quarterback. He doesn't do a great job of escaping pressure, making plays, and you got. The Seattle Seahawks under Pete Carroll, who always have tough, fast defenses. You Absolutely. have the L.A. Rams, who have the best defensive line. And that's not being, being a biased fan. It's pretty much true. Them and the Eagles have probably the best defensive line in the league. And the other 49ers are, who are coming up, right? Sure, Painting sure. to say the 49ers are coming up. That's going to be Josh. That, those are six games he has to play those three teams. So, for me, that, that's going to be the toughest thing for Josh. I think from a quarterback standpoint, I think he's going to be good. I think he, I think he is very good. I, I kind of like the fact that he's pissed off. That's going to motivate him. So I think Josh, in the past, has had the tendency that things go too easy for him. And May doesn't push himself as hard as he should. I think right now being motivated is a good thing for him. So I didn't have an issue with, with the interviews. And especially, you know what? The other thing I don't like about this, Keith, you shove a microphone in a, in a guy's face and you ask him some leading questions and you know what the kid's going to say, right? I mean, people want to hear that. So they ask these leading questions. They, how do you feel? You're the four. They don't really, you don't hear what the question was. You just hear the kid going on a soundbite. I've heard Josh kind of say things that he, where he was complimentary of the other quarterbacks and where he's complimentary of the guys on his team, Sam Bradford, and the other quarterback they took, whose name's escaping me. There's two guys on the team. They're actually pretty good quarterbacks. But they don't put any of that stuff out there. They just put the point, the post about where Josh looks like he's being a little, a little spoiled bratish. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you that, but they don't show the whole interview. And I've always, it's always bugged me about the media when they kind of just they want to get a soundbite. They purposely set a guy up, and Josh is really easy to get to set up because he's always going to speak his mind, and, and people hate that. But um, yeah, I didn't really have, I didn't really have an issue with it. In fact, most of the people I've, I've, I've talked to were like, dude. I love that. We, we want a guy who feels that way. So yeah, I think, and I think it's okay, Greg, to feel that way. But you're now the face of a franchise, Greg. I don't, I don't know if you can represent a franchise with kind of being bratish. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's, I think it's, the next day, I think the next day, he, he was already kind of mellowing out a little bit, right? He went from the nine teams to three teams, and I think next week he'll be like, you know what? That was a little bit silly. And trust me, I, I get what you're saying, and the way Josh just looks. He kind of just sometimes gives off the impression of like a spoiled frat boy, right? I, I get that part, but I'm just telling you, man, as a teammate, they're going to love him. Because at St. John Bosco and at UCLA, offense and defensive guys always liked him. So the, the interview, 
Yeah, maybe he, he kind of came off a little bit too strong. He's an emotional kid. But I, I honestly, I think he'll be fine. I think his teammates are going to like him. I think he'll represent himself pretty well once he actually kind of gets back in the swing of things and doesn't get these mics put in his face and asking him these questions when he's all already kind of emotional. I hear you talking. Let's move on to the second round. You got Ronald Jones out of USC. The running back goes to Tampa Bay. Dante Pettis, the wide receiver out of Washington, goes to San Francisco 49ers. Uchenna Nuosu, the outside linebacker out of USC, going to the L.A. Chargers. And then Isaiah Oliver, the cornerback from Colorado, going to the Atlanta Falcons. Any thoughts about any of those four guys, GB? So two guys come out for me because they had such unique high school recruitments. Dante Pettis was a kid who I was literally on the table for. I mean, I was jumping up and down going, this guy is a freaking stud. Yeah. He had no offers, Keith. Like, we're talking not even, like, from Idaho State, A&M. Like, I'm make, make up a college. No one had offered this guy. He was a track guy. He was highly productive. He was a dominant player. He was what you saw in college. He, that's how he played in high school. All of a sudden, Boise State offered him because that's where his older brother Austin Pettis played at. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, that's great. Boys, you know how I feel about Boise State. I love Boise State. To me, that's a, that's a BCS school. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, you know, Washington Huskies offered. He took a visit there, and he ends up committing there and sets the punt return record. So I was so happy for him to go so high in the draft. I didn't know if I saw a second round. I didn't know if he had second round athleticism, but I was still stoked for him. And then Yachena Nwosu from Narbonne, a guy who, you know, he's a guy. So when they had... I was kind of mixed up. You know, I could never, I always forgot if it was Sark or Kiffin who was fired at the time. But Orgeron was the interim coach, and T. Martin and Coach O, they started offering guys like left and right. right. Like four or five, they offered um, a Jenny Harris from Crenshaw. They offered Eugenia Newell. These are all guys that people are going, why are they offering these guys? Because they weren't the big name four or five star guys. Number one, fans are kind of going, why are we offering this kid? Number two, they're saying, how are we offering these guys? They don't even have a head coach. Like, how do you offer a guy without knowing if your head coach is going to sign off on that? But Nuosu was a kid from Narbonne who he was just a, a really good football player. You know, kind of a hybrid safety linebacker, made plays. Still, I, I had no clue he was going to go to USC and be the dominant guy that he was. And he was a great player for the Trojans. Again, going second round, uh, again, I didn't know if he had, you know, I just didn't know where he fit in on an NFL roster. But those two guys, I was definitely pleased and uh, and happy for. And just a couple guys that I kind of rooted for out of high school because their recruitment, they're such good kids. So that's what jumped out for me. Yeah, for me, I think Ronald Johnson going to Tampa Bay at pick 38. He's about an explosive ball carrier with great vertical speed and has the ability to stick his foot in the ground and, and get north and south in a hurry, GB. I think it's a great yeah. pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Ronald Johnson is from Texas, I believe. Ronald uh, Jones. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Ronald Jones is from Texas, I believe. But yep. uh, an explosive athlete. He's got some durability issues, but I think if he stays healthy, he's got a chance to be a difference maker there in Tampa, Florida. There's no question about it. Moving along to the third round, Justin Reed, the safety out of Stanford, goes to the Tennessee Titans. Royce Freeman, the running back out of Oregon, goes to the Denver Broncos. Rasheem Green, the DN out of Sarah High School, USC, uh, goes to Seattle Seahawks. Harrison Phillips, the D-tackle out of Stanford, goes to the Buffalo Bills. Anything there for you, GB? Yeah, I mean, all good football players. I, I think people, you know, I, I don't know if I would agree, but people are saying, hey, if Rasheem came back, he could have been a top 10 pick. I mean, you can't ever predict that. I mean, people did did a mock draft, I think, a couple of days ago. I guarantee you that they will be completely upside down. You have no idea. Get your money right now. Get your money now, right? Third-round yeah. pick, money is not bad at all. I, I, I love Rasheem as a person. You know, we well, we had Scott Allenberg on the fr- for the Friday show, and uh, he had just some great things to say about Rasheem, an honor student at a high school, just such a sweet, spirited kid. Where people quest uh, Scott said people wondered, hey, is he tough enough? Is he mean enough? Because he was such a nice, soft-spoken kid. And he's like, yes, yes, he is. Watch him. Right. So happy for Rasheem. And then uh, Harrison Phillips was just a dominant guy. And watching him play a lot with Stanford inside, kind of move him around a little bit. I think that's a great pick, you know, for him going to the third round, um, and then. You know, again, I think you mentioned uh, who, who was the guy who who, was, who did you mention before Rasheed? There was another third rounder, right? Uh, yeah, Royce Freeman, Rose Royce so, Freeman, running back Royce out of Oregon. Was a five, so we have him as a five-star running back, which means we thought he'd probably be a first-round, second-round pick. And I thought he was at Oregon for like eight years. So like he was <laughs> he was there forever, right? Right. And I know he. I think he had an injury, um, but man, he those first couple years that Royce was at Oregon, we're kind of like 
pat ourselves on the back, going, "Dude, Royce is he's the man. unbelievable. He's better oh, yeah. than Leonard Fournette." Yeah, like because those two guys, those were the two dudes out of high school. They at the opening the same year. You know, they're kind of built the same, and Fournette was, you know, had more speed to him. But Royce was really good those first two years, and then kind of fell off a little bit. I, I thought, you know, after those first couple of years, he had first round ability, um, and going to third. And uh, if he's healthy, man, he can go. I mean, he's a load to bring down. He's a tough physical kid. I like his running style a lot. How about that fit over in Denver? Well, you know they're going to run the zone, oh, man. the inside like, zone yeah. offense. Anytime they get an average running back, a, you know, average talent yeah. running back, the guy runs for fifteen hundred. What is Royce Freeman going to do in that Denver offense? Yeah, that's a great fit. Great call. That's a that's going to be a lot of fun seeing him play in that offense. Yeah, there's no question. Rolls Royce Freeman. Always love that kid. Fourth round, uh, fourth round picks. We got Will Disley. Uh, out of Washington, a tight end going to Seattle Seahawks. Kenny Young, the inside linebacker out of UCLA, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Kalen Balaj, the running back out of Arizona State, going to Miami Dolphins. And then Dalton Schultz, the tight end out of Stanford, going to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, interesting. You know, Dalton Schultz was our number one tight end wow. his, uh, his senior year of high school. Okay. And, again, just a guy who, if you would have saw, I know it's 7-on-7, seven seven, but I think you can tell a lot if you were watching a tight end, just how they move, how fluid they are, how easily they catch the ball. They don't fight it. Dalton Schultz just dominated at the pylon, Las Vegas seven on seven tourney. We're going, dude, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah. And Stanford is tight end. You right? If you want to get to the NFL, you play tight end. Go to Stanford. So it just we go through this guy's going to be a first round, second round pick in a couple of years. And it never had the success, and I think we saw it. But again, shoot, you go fourth round. Nothing to sneeze at. Happy for Kenny Young, a guy Scotty White. Um, I know Scotty was doing cartwheels for for Kenny to get drafted that high. Fourth round is good, right? I mean, that's hard to get drafted in the fourth round. So good for Kenny. Um, Who else did you say? Kalen Balaj, running back out of Arizona, who's from Colorado. Yeah, yeah, he's a load. Yeah, Uh, big physical kid. Kind of you know, again, similar running style is uh, is Royce. He just kind of runs through guys. So I like him as well. No question about it. A great athlete as well, Greg. A track guy in high school. Yep. Yep. Uh, clock 4-4 four, four in his pro day. So he's got a chance to make some noise on special teams and at running back over there for the Miami Dolphins. Moving on to the fifth round, you got Cole Madison out of Washington State off the tackle. He's a Green Bay Packer now. Dane Krushank. Uh, out of Arizona, the cornerback, he's a, the Tennessee Titans. You got Tyrell Crosby, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. He's with the Detroit Lions. Scott Questenberry, the center out of UCLA. He's at the L.A. Chargers. And then Jordan Lashley, Sarah High School, wide receiver out of UCLA, going to the Baltimore Ravens. You know, it was fun. Again, I don't want to preview it too much, but I, I literally asked Scott. Because Scott said, you know, when he hears, he was hearing from a ton of NFL coaches, and they want to know about your high school character. So if you're a high school football player that wants to someday get drafted, just know that the choices that you make right now in high school, you're going to have to be accountable for those because NFL guys are going to ask everything about you, right? So we asked Scott. Like you, you had two radically different people. You had Rasheem Green and Jordan Lastly. It was just loud, borderline obnoxious. I, I, mean, I love the guy, but he would just talk more trash than probably almost anybody I know. Up there with maybe Scrappy Norman as far as just trash talking. Yeah. So it was cool to see Jordan. I think he, I, you know, he got to get more consistent. You know, we had Bucky on, and, uh, you know, the issue was he's got to get more consistent in terms of just being a pass catcher and dropping too many balls. So if Jordan can get that done, he, he can make some plays for sure. Scotty Q, Quisenberry, um, came out to the opening one of my last years. I, think that, I don't know if it was my last year or if I was already gone, but I remember him from the opening. Um in Oregon, Nike campus, really good kid. Good to see him get drafted. And then, dude, did, uh, did Tyrell Crosby. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy who I thought was, I mean, you watch the tape and you compare him to Colt Miller. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, absolutely. I know what you're saying. I, did, I know one guy didn't broad jump as far as the other guy. But, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's a difference maker between two guys. One guy has much better tape. Yeah. And... One guy went number ten. I, I think. I think it. And one guy went <clears throat> fifth round. Yeah, I think it boils down to maybe upside in projection. GB, listening to. Uh John Gruden talked about Colton Miller. He talked about his how good he can be and his upside and what his future looks like. Tyrell Crosby is a now guy, and I don't know why this kid slid down to the fifth round. He is a very good football player. Um, 
I know Mario Cristobal says he's one of the best offensive linemen he's ever coached. And this guy has been at University of Alabama, University yeah. of Miami. Uh, Tyrell Crosby's a big-time player. One of my former players, Jabril Frazier, said the kid is really good. They played against each other in a bowl game. But he goes to the Detroit Lions. Don't be surprised if this is a 10-year starter in the NFL. Outstanding offensive tackle, great feed, physical, athletic, and uh, just a guy who's very, very physical at the point of attack. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes out. Also, Cole Madison out of Washington State. They always got pretty good tackles at Washington State. They throw the ball so much, these guys can move their feet. Mirror edge rushers. Uh, he, he ends up signing with the Green Bay Packers or getting picked by the Green Bay Packers in the fifth round. So uh, that's kind of your fifth round group. And then your sixth round group, really, Chrissy, really quickly. Christian Sam, outside linebacker out of Arizona State, goes to New England Patriots. Kylie Fitz, DN out of Utah, goes to the Chicago Bears. Sam Jones, uh, officer guard out of Arizona State, goes to the Denver Broncos. Luke Falk, quarterback out of Washington State, goes to the Tennessee Titans. Peter Columbaye, officer, excuse me, outside linebacker going to Stanford, or out of Stanford going to Houston Texans. Azim's. Victor, inside linebacker out of Washington, going to Oklahoma, Oakland Raiders. And then Keyshawn Bieria, outside linebacker out of Washington, going to the different Broncos. Anybody stand out to you? Greg. That's a lot of guys, Keith. That's a lot of guys drafted. You know, Keyshawn Bieria was on that Troy Williams-Narbonne team that some people will say is one of the greatest city teams of all time. Great, great football player. Azim Victor is a guy who I thought if he was healthy, he probably would have came out last year. Yeah. And, I mean, that guy just looks – I guy had an NFL body as a high schooler. Yeah. You know, Azim Victor, he had some injuries. And um, so I'm happy for the, both those two guys, Keyshawn Bieria as well. God, I'm trying to think you threw up about 30 names Kylie out there. Kylie Fitz. How about Kylie Fitz, the former so, UCLA kid? Great, great recruitment. So, I mean, it goes deeper than that. He was, a, he was a long-time USC commit. That was the year that they had their scholarships cut to 15. Yeah. And kind of closer towards signing day, he kind of got squeezed out a little bit and was told he's, he's going to need a gray shirt. So he decided he didn't want a gray shirt. He wanted to, you know, I think he took that as a little bit of a slap. Sure. And decided, shoot, I'm going to go to UCLA. So that was a huge pickup for for UCLA. They were able to allow, you know, UCLA always struggled getting D linemen. So they were able to land Kylie Fitz really late. And then they ended up getting, you know, Eddie Vanner does after signing day, who signed with Notre Dame. So they added those two kids. But Kylie Fitz, you know, going to Utah, Utah does such a great job developing linemen, the Utes. Defensive backs and linemen is what Utah is all about. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Kylie can do as the uh, as an NFL guy. Yeah, Kylie, a uh, guy training over at the Winter Circle, getting prepared for kind of his draft moment. So, congratulations to him, sixth round pick to the Chicago Bears. Moving along, the seventh round, last round, got a couple of guys: Devontae Downs out of California. Uh, UC Berkeley going to the Minnesota Vikings, and then James Looney, defensive tackle out of Cal, going to the Green Bay Packers. Anything there, GB? Ah, good for the Bears. Get some guys out. Devontae Downs, good player, very solid. Uh, yeah, the Pac-12. So, would they finish overall? Yeah, those yeah. numbers. I know yeah. the SEC had what double. Everyone yeah, else. yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so, the Pac-12 finished fourth with thirty guys drafted. Fourth. Fourth. That's just. Despicable. Uh, so it's a little rough. Uh, we gotta be second. The SEC fifty three, ACC forty six, Big Ten with thirty two, Big Twelve with twenty. So what about? Um, did you did you do you happen to see the breakdown by state? No, I didn't happen to see the breakdown by state. But if I remember correctly, California was projected, I think, second behind Florida. That's where we were projected, kind of going yeah. into the draft. Yeah. second behind yeah. Florida. I believe I saw like after the first or second round. I think California was number two behind Florida. I was a little surprised Georgia was lower because I, I think Georgia's like part of the Big Four now, along with Texas. So I'd be curious where California finished up. And obviously, you know, kind of a West Coast guy, Pac-12 guy. Like to see uh, when I say Pac-12, I also include Mountain West. So San Diego State, Rashad Penny. I know that's a guy you loved a lot. Boise yeah. State, your linebacker went first round. So Dallas Cowboys. So that was good to see. Um, but overall, man, Pac-12 Mountain West got to kind of probably do a little better job of developing guys. You know, California players are leaving the West Coast. They want to get to the league, and they probably feel like they can get better developed by playing for some of these big-time SEC schools, going to Oklahoma, going to the Ohio State University. You know, I think that's what kids are thinking right now. So Pac-12 Mountain West, let's do better. Let's get, let's get guys bigger, stronger, faster. That's right. Get them out. No question about it. Like you said, Rashad Penny, I've loved this kid since I met him. That was his early years of high school. He was dominant running back at Norwalk High School. Goes on, leads the country in kick return, kind of his early years at San Diego State. Leads the country in rushing his senior year, excuse me, his junior year. 
playing for the Aztecs. First round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. Love the pick. Love the fit. I, li- I liken him to a young Marshawn Lentz. Just a guy who's fast and physical and can make people miss. Big time player. And then you mentioned it, Greg. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch, a kid that I absolutely love. Six foot five, 255 pound middle linebacker with four or five speed out of Boise State. Love this kid. I think he's a young Brian Erlacher. He is fast. He is physical. He's smart, aggressive, and a great leader in the middle of the defense. I think he's going to be a terrific fit uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. So shout out to Leighton and uh, all those Boise State Broncos, GB. Yeah, I don't want to see another Marshawn Lynch for the Seattle Seahawks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I do. <laughs> I like the Seahawks being down right now. I need, I need my Rams to, to not have to deal with another monster like Marshawn was. So, yeah, I feel the same way that you do about Rashawn. You know, out of Norwalk, a guy who was uh, amazingly, you know, out of high school, he was kind of considered a little on the slight side. Now he's 220 pounds yeah. and ran, in, ran even faster than he did at his, at his high school combine testing time. So, I think he's really good. And, you know, again, I thought he should have been more in the you know Heisman consideration. Some yeah. of the things that he did, sure. People said, "Oh, I think they kind of discounted him because he goes to San Diego State." Probably now that he's a first round pick, I think that kind of justifies you know, hey, this guy could always play. Yeah, no question about it. He's a big time player. I think he's going to have a terrific career as long as he stays healthy. So, GB, that's about it for us with our recap. It's time. Hey, let's to- give a shout out. Let's, let's give let's give one shout out. Go ahead. You know, Chris Hawkins um, that's was right. picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, again, I've known Chris forever. Obviously, Armand, uh, friend of the program. And Chris is a guy who, man, I really watched him develop. He was a corner in high school. I always wondered, did he have corner athleticism? And it moving to safety at USC. Kind of like, you know, they always try to find a way to get someone else over them. Uh, try, try, always try, try to find a way to get somebody else to play over him. He was too good. He was too smart. Did the defense too well. And ended up developing, I thought, to a heck of a safety. And then he absolutely had some huge testing numbers at his pro day. I was hoping, you know, that he would hear his name called. I thought he deserved to hear his name called maybe later on those rounds. But they always say, you know, it's better to – it's not going to be a maybe a top five, six rounder. It's better to, to be an undrafted free agent and pick your own school, yeah. which he was able to – or your own NFL team, which he was able to do. But I think it's everybody's dream, right, to, to hear your name called on that sure. draft, whether it's seventh, the last Mr. Irrelevant. Um but I, I thought Chris uh, going to Seattle, they don't have a lot of safety depth. I think he's going to be a really, really good special teams player, and hopefully he gets a chance to, to get in that rotation as a safety because I, I think, again, he's watching him from you know probably sophomore year of high school on. I think he's really developed himself physically and uh, just a phenomenal kid, just a phenomenal kid, and I'm really pulling for him for sure. I concur with those sentiments, GB. Got a chance to meet him a couple times, and I thought the world of him just kind of as a person. I wasn't a big fan early in his in his college career, but like you said, I think he developed. I think he grew. I think his mindset kind of changed moving to that safety position. And you know what, Greg? The NFL draft is a lot like recruiting. It's not about where you go, where you sign, who drafts you. It's about what you do when you get there. Now, wherever he's at, and, and I don't remember what team he got drafted to, Greg. Do you remember? Are we talking about who, Chris? Yes. Oh, he, so he signed with the with the Seattle Seahawks. With okay. Carroll. So, so it, he'll, get, he'll get a great chance, yeah, right? You, you get a, those guys. Absolutely. You get a great chance. It's about what you do when you get there. You have the chance to go in there and make an impact on special teams, be a leader in the locker room, and also be the first guy in and the last guy out of meetings and practice. Go in there, make an impression, turn some head, make some plays, and, and let the chips fall where they may. That's all you can really ask for in life, GB. No, and then and the, the the four quarterbacks, you know, Allen, Rosen, Darnold, Baker. I mean, all of them are talented, obviously. But like you mentioned, whoever has the most success, it may not be who's the most talented. Maybe just who has the best fit, right? Sure. Who has the best receivers? Who has the best scheme? Who has the best O line blocking for them? You know, I, I've seen some really talented guys, you know, go from high school to college, who went and, and just had terrible talent around them and never really, you know, panned out. People say, "Oh, the guy was a bust." Well. He didn't really have a lot of talent around like like so and so did. So, you know, Baker at Cleveland, and for him to be good, he's going to need to have some elite protection, some elite receivers. Um, same thing with Rosen. Same thing with Darnold. Same thing with Josh Allen. So, uh, like you mentioned, man, it's not always about you know what you did now. It's about where's the best fit, where's the best scheme, where are you going to have the most success. And it's not always up to you. That's the scary part. Yeah, it's kind of kind of the system you go into. Hopefully. I hope for all four guys it works out for them, but uh, you know we'll uh, we'll see in about three or four years, right? 
No question about it. No question about it. So appreciate you, GB, joining me in that kind of assessment of the first round, or excuse me, the first seven rounds, all seven rounds of the NFL draft, and re kind of capping the Pac-12 and where our players went. But right now, GB, we got to remind people about the winter circle. All right, listen, everybody, and I'm talking to you parents and you student-athletes. This is the offseason. This is your time to get better and improve. Come the fall, that's your chance to showcase yourself in front of big-time scouts like me and recruiters across the nation. Now, there are a lot of guys out there that claim to be trainers. They grab a whistle, grab a couple cones, but it's just not that successful. What I'm talking about is going big-time. Invest yourself into something special. Call my guy, Jordan Campbell, at Winter Circle Athletics. It's a facility in Corona, California with world-class state-of-the-art technology and equipment that creates world-class athletes. They understand human performance, health and wellness, and they customize programs to meet your athletic goals. They train specific for your sport and position. The Winter Circle has 50-plus Division I athletes over the last three years. They've added to a 50,000-plus square foot facility, and they also have a prep academy for 8th graders to 6th graders that concentrates on athletic development, social development, and academic Academic development in their newly renovated facility. The Winter Circle Athletics. You can contact them at wintercircleathletics.com. All right, and we're back, and that kind of does it for today's show. I appreciate my man Greg Began for jumping on, joining me here on the Transparent Truth. Always my co-host, always rocking with the latest and greatest. From the NFL draft to high school recruiting and visits, man, nobody does it better than the GOAT at Greg Biggins on Twitter. You can follow me at Coach Keith underscore MP. Follow the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're out there. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe, download, show us some love. We'd appreciate it. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.